0: Deepest uh, longing. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, it doesn't matter who you are speaking to, what kind of strata of society, where they've come from, what they are about, you will find every single person has in common the deepest longing. It comes out in different ways in each of us for sure. Do I matter? And if I matter, to whom? do I matter? Does my life have any meaning? Does my life count? If all the stuff that surrounds me was stripped away, who would I be, and would anybody really care? All of these express this single deepest longing, the most profound longing of our hearts, and it's the longing to be loved. Each one of us here this morning, there is nobody here who is indifferent about the longing, the need to be loved. We long to be loved because we know that in being loved we move from being anybody to being somebody. It doesn't matter what age you are, what your circumstances are. It's not a thing that just little children want. It's not a thing that teenagers are looking for. Wherever, the longing is still there. Why does a baby cry there is something very piercing about a baby's cry you can't ignore a baby's cry at least not very easily and if you've been to antenatal classes you will have been told that a baby cries for well one of three reasons how difficult can it be they're hungry or they've got wind one end or the other or they need a nappy changed but it's deeper than that Nine out of ten times, I think, you can stop a young newborn baby crying just by holding them close. They might need feeding. They might need their nappy changing. But the cry is deeper than that. The cry is, is anybody there who's interested in the fact that I'm hungry? Is the woman inside whom I've been living all this time, is she still here? Does she still care? And what about that male voice that comes and goes? Is he still around? Does he care? Because you can feed a baby all you like, and you can change their nappies like clockwork, but if you never hold them close, they will still cry. They're asking for more than food and clothing. Why is the dominant image in the playground when we think back the most dominant image, those times when we were excluded from the game, when we were left on the edge, when the teams were picked and they said of you at the end, oh you can have him or her. Why? Because above all else we were longing to be included. We were longing for them to say that we really mattered, that they couldn't do without us. But so obviously they could, and it hurt. Why the teenage obsession to look like everybody else, the right clothes and the right phone, the right image? Because they are desperate to belong. Why, when I walk the dog, do gangs of boys in the park shout abuse at passers by and intimidate younger children? Why? Because they're longing to be noticed they're screaming for someone to be interested in them and their frustration comes out in all kinds of ways it doesn't excuse their behavior but it does begin to help us understand it does anybody care that we are here and that we are alive why are the most successful people those who've got to the top of the ladder in life those kind of people that make things happen why are they so often so insecure Because they've spent all their lives striving to achieve in the belief, the hope that their success would somehow satisfy something deep inside. And many get to the top of their ladder only to discover their ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. They sold their lives for success because they believed that success would equal significance. But it didn't and it never does. Why does a woman, or a man for that matter, with lovely children, three annual holidays in the sun, an unlimited credit card account, risk it all for an affair? Is the sex that good? No, it's the longing to be loved. And then the awful reality that that momentary illicit union does absolutely nothing to satisfy, but worse, destroys in an instant all that's been so good? And then finally, why do people, as they get older, talk a lot? And why often do older people talk a lot about their lives? It's not just because there's a lot of life to talk about as they get older, but because so often, sadly, towards the end of our lives, we're still searching, does my life, has all these years that I have lived, Has it had meaning? What's it been all about? I'm still trying to make sense of it, still anxious to know that I haven't been just an anybody, but I've really been a somebody. We're desperate to be loved. And in our most real moments, when everything is stripped away, that's what's left, the longing to be loved. We can push it away, through all kinds of means, and maybe we've become masters uh, in our lives at ignoring it, of blocking it out, of keeping busy, of shutting it away. But every now and again, when things are stripped, it rises all over. i said this to you before, but in the tragedy of the Twin Towers terrorist attack, when quite literally everything in people's lives was being stripped away, when their lives were being laid bare in such a horrific way, what were people in those towers doing if they couldn't escape? They were desperate to communicate, to get one last message to somebody parents to children, children to parents, spouses to each other, friends, neighbours, one last message. And the weird thing is this, it didn't matter who you were in those tower blocks, the message that you were longing to give was the same. didn't matter where you'd come from, what you've done, what you'd achieved or hadn't. They all wanted to say the same thing. It was nothing to do with status or achievement or business deals or money in the bank, nothing to do with looks or holidays or houses, or cars, one message that made all those other things seem so totally irrelevant. People were desperate to call to say, I love you, I love you. Whatever's happening here, whatever's about to face our lives in these next moments, I want you to know, I need you to know that I love you. What were they doing on that hijacked plane as it headed towards the Pentagon? They didn't talk on their phones as they desperately rang their friends and family. They didn't talk about who forgot to put the rubbish out last night, or why the bath hadn't been cleaned. They didn't even talk about the bills that needed paying, or the shopping that they were looking forward to doing. They didn't mention their company shares or the strength of the dollar. Just one thing. I want you to know, I need you to know, maybe what I haven't said enough in life, I need you to know that I love you. That I love you. When everything is stripped away, we know that what matters most to us and what we most want to give to others is that knowledge. Hey, come what may, I love you. I love you. Yet we're in a love-starved world. We know how desperately we need it. We know how desperately there is the need in us to give it. Yet we live in this love-starved world. What should hold us all together? What should be deep inside each one of us? That knowledge that we are loved, come what may, bringing to our lives significance, helping us know every day in the morning that we are somebody. So often isn't there. And what marks our human race is not contentment, it's not satisfaction, it's not security, but it's restless. Searching, longing, each day looking for that something. Because deep inside there's something that's missing. As Doctor Who put it, the great and bountiful human empire is stunted. Something is holding it back. Nearly every successful song is to do with love, Every successful film almost is to do with love also. Why? Because it stirs something so deep inside each one of us. That's something that seems to be missing at the core of our being. That actually, ultimately, not even human relationships can satisfy. If you've been so fortunate enough to live in a family that loves you and to have friends that have loved you, then thank God every single day because they've given you a fantastic start in your life. But even that is not enough to satisfy the deepest longings in our hearts. Why? And this is it. You can forget everything else about this morning, but I urge you to remember this. We were made to know God's love. That's why the longing is so strong. We were made to know God's love. And that's why the longing is so strong. And the greatest tragedy is that we can go through the whole of our lives never discovering that God loves us. Never knowing a Father in heaven who delights over us like we sometimes delight over little children. The Bible says, I have loved you, says the Lord, with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. God loves you with an everlasting love what does that mean it means that he's always loved you he always has loved you there was never a moment when he didn't love you even before you came he loved you and he always will love you there's nothing that you can do to stop him loving you however hard you try he will love you still I'll Stand By You was originally released by The Pretenders in the uh, mid-1990s. But then Girls Aloud re-recorded it in 2004 to be the theme song, the anthem for children in need that particular year. And in that context, the lines of this song have added poignancy. But what if they were speaking about God? Then the strength of them is even greater. Why you look so sad? Tears are in your eyes. Come on, come to me now. Don't be ashamed to cry. Let me see you through. Because I've seen the dark side too. When the night falls on you, you don't know what to do. Nothing you confess could make me love you less, says God. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you. And this morning, maybe you've been in church all your life. Maybe you found yourself in church for the first time or not for a very long time. We're all asking this question. Am I loved? Yes, loved by God. And I just want to offer uh, four truths this morning that we can take with us as we go to know for certainty in our hearts that the God of heaven loves us, that he loves you and he loves me. Know that God loves you, one, because he was present at your coming. The Bible says that God chose us even before the world was made. God had set his heart upon us even before he created the sky and the sea. Before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, before this world began, God knew and loved you. He chose you and loved you. He knew you would come and then when you were coming the bible says that he watched over your coming there wasn't a moment not even from the moment that you were conceived when god was absent disinterested not aware not looking not involved the bible says that god is involved even while we were growing in our mother's womb your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days planned for me ordained for me were written in your book god was active in your creation, watching over you, welcoming you, making plans for you. I don't care about the circumstances of your conception in this regard. If you are fortunate enough again to have two parents that planned you and loved you, then you are wonderfully blessed. But maybe you didn't know that. Maybe there was little human choice about your coming. Maybe you were conceived in awkward circumstances and it was painful when you discovered it and it's been painful for you ever since. Maybe you were conceived against your mother's will. All of us, every single one of us need to know that God was watching, waiting, longing for you. That even if human beings weren't welcoming and planning, God was. And he was thrilled to know that you were on your way. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. As you were growing in the womb, God was going, that's my boy. That's my girl. He knew who it was. No surprises for him. That's my boy. That's my girl. And some of us need to hear that in a very deep place because we've lived with that uncertainty deep down that perhaps the things in life weren't as we wanted them to be. God wants you to know that he loved you even before the world was made. And as you were even growing, he was welcoming, loving, longing, calling you. God had plans. I'll say a bit more about this in, in a moment. But not only was he watching, he was planning. He was planning. One of the tragic things is, of course, that probably because of the pressure from your parents, probably because some of the pressure from your peers, probably because of the push in life to get on, God's plans got lost somewhere for you. And we all just did our own thing. we kind of lost early on that God might have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And we started going our own way, doing our own stuff. The Bible uses the word sin just to say, hey, we did our own thing. We forgot that there was a God who loved us and had plans for us. And so we went off and made our own plans and went our own way. And every time we've made a bad choice because we've done our own thing, it's damaged us, sometimes on the inside, sometimes on the outside. And we've all made bad choices, and those bad choices have taken us away from God, further from his plan and further from his presence. But then the greatest moment in history, when God sent his son into the world for one reason only. And that reason was to save us from the damage we were creating for ourselves. To save us from the path we were on. This path that was taking us further and further away from him and his presence. We were heading faster and faster down a road that the Bible says leads to death. And it was like there was no way out. Well, secondly, know that God loves you because he paid on the cross for your bad choices. He paid for your bad choices. Mary Alice of Desperate Housewives fame, shame on you if you know what I'm talking about, said in their triangle tangle of love in their community, It's impossible to grasp just how powerful love is. It can sustain us through trying times or motivate us to make extraordinary sacrifices. The love of God motivated him to make an extraordinary sacrifice. The cross, paying for our wrong, our bad choices... Every hurtful word, every selfish action, every ugly thought, our selfishness, our pride, our greed, everything that was part of our lives that made us less than what we were intended to be, everything that was part of our lives that was pushing us further and further away from God, Jesus took it all on the cross. Some of you will have seen the film The Passion, the horror of it. And if you've ever wondered whether God really loves you, then go back 2,000 years and look to a cross outside Jerusalem and see in the face of a dying Galilean man, God himself, come to earth. See in his face as he forgives those soldiers nailing him to the cross. See in his face the one from heaven who loves you and there is nothing you can do to stop him loving you. He is dying literally to love you. Nothing will stop him loving you. If God really loved me, then I would expect him to get me out of the mess of this life. See on the cross that that's what he has already done. And thirdly, know that God loves you because he has plans for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. The God that we are celebrating today It's not the God that keeps us down, pushes us, oppresses us. It's not the God that makes up lots of rules in order to hem us in and to stop us living life to the full. Quite the opposite. The God we celebrate today is the God who says, live within this framework and live in my presence and you will flourish like you would not ever believe. And if there's any doubt as to whether we need to get back to God's plans rather than our own. Just take a look around today at the world in which we live. Pick up a newspaper today and read its pages. We've tried it by ourselves. We've done our own thing. We've made our own choices. And the life we've got, some life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full. And finally, know that God loves you because he's prepared a place in heaven for you. I want to tell you that actually knowing what happens at the end of your life really does take a heck of the stress out of it. You see, we live our lives dominated by the fact that one day they'll be over. When the very thing most of us fear suddenly takes place. When it's finally confirmed that actually we were nothing but dust. That actually we were no more significant than our years, three score and ten or whatever it might be. When our final breath is breathed and all is done, how good to know it's only really beginning how good to know it's only really beginning and people live every day with death coming like an oncoming train and the joy of the present is robbed by the horror of what is coming no he's prepared a place for you know that God loves you that much That your final destiny today can be absolutely secure how good to know how good to know that in those moments in my life when that longing to be loved and that search for significance still pushes its way forward into my consciousness how good to know that one day all that longing will be over to know that one day I'll be in his presence and I will know what it is to be completely and utterly loved. No doubt, no insecurity, no questioning, no wondering whether I've done or said the right thing, no wondering what other people are thinking of me. Loved, accepted, complete, everything that I should be in his presence. And more alive than I've ever, ever dreamed. Of being there's a great song we sang it uh, last week and it ends like this then one day I'll see him as he sees me face to face the lover and the loved no more words the longing will be over there with my precious Jesus know that God loves you and that's why Paul would say from. For me it's like this, to live is Christ, Christ in this world turning darkness into light, I can stick with that, and to die is gain. For me to live, Christ, to die is gain. Do you know the God who's loved you since before the world began? Do you? Do you know? Do you know? He's here. The Bible says that God's everywhere. He's here in this place. Let's pray together and even in this place you can turn to this God. Maybe you've never turned to him before. Maybe you've never spoken a word to him before. The Bible says we don't need any fancy language. We don't need to say the right thing, whatever the right thing might be. But we can say, God, I want to know this love. That you have for me. I'm willing to turn my plans over to your plans. I believe that on the cross there you died for all my mistakes. And I want to begin today knowing the God who's loved me since before the world began. If in your heart you're making that your prayer for the very first time, then please don't walk out of this room this morning without just saying, I've done it to somebody. Just find somebody and tell them.